are ready to rumble. It is much later than I ever could have possibly imagined. So, I mean, I fully tried to, like, hit the gas on the way out the door, and then there were little things, like, sprinkled about that caused my rage, and I went, I have to be petty right now. So... I have no idea what that means, nor do I care. That's fine. Okay. All on. the listeners need to know is that we normally would be finished recording the podcast. The, the first one. About an hour ago. Yeah. Right now. No, both shows. On a Tuesday. It's 1030, my man. I know. Jesus. Uh-huh. Oof. Oof, I'm a goof. I knew it was going to be late, but now Listen. it's late. Listen, man, I've been, I played 30 games of pool while I watched Quentin Tarantino on Charlie Rose three different times. That's how long it's been since I thought the podcast would start. You could have done other things. And now here we are. Well, I did lots of other things. Oh, great. I did lots of other things. I watched Ray Dalio videos about macroeconomic issues. Okay. I don't know what that means. Um, What else did I do? I don't know. I watched YouTube, you know? I always watch YouTube, but Uh it's really the 30 games of pool that I'm concerned about. Eh, I don't know. I started off real strong. I won like 10 in a row. How do you play pool on an iPad? It's it's virtual pool. You never played Yahoo pool? No. When you were young and No. On, on the, dial up we don't have that. On the chat rooms you had that on dial up. Everybody had that on dial up. I didn't chat on Yahoo. What am I a fucking poor? <laughs> well, geez, man, they had the best gaming platform. Oh. Yahoo did. Mm. So it was similar to AOL, but you had games. And so you'd go on there and you'd play pool and pretend to be a lesbian with other children. <laughs> 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 That's what Yahoo was for. <sighs> I don't know. With your pushback hair right now, you're giving that. Uh, what's what's her name? Leah Deloria or whatever from Orange Is the New Black. Oh oh oh! Uh, 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 the the girl from John Wick, the tattooed Basquiat tattoo girl. I have a lot in common. with Not her, the actually. hot one. No, oh. no 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 no. Well, no, I'm the hot one. No, the stocky lady. The stocky lady. Yeah. Don't say that. That's rude. Well, you know you're square. But I don't know who you're talking about. I thought you were talking about. Speaking of Charlie Rose, isn't her name something Rose? Rhea Delaria. Show me a picture. Quickly. Oh, <laughs> come on, man. That's fucking really rude. If it, if any of our listeners are out there <laughs> and didn't understand that reference, please don't look it up. Oh, it's that going... was a horrible thing to say about me. Well, with the you have the hair just God, straight back. Damn, that's not a good way to start the podcast. <laughs> Ugh. I gotta come out swinging, you know. Oh my! I need to make it God. fun for me. Well, listen, man, I've had my hat on all day. Oh, she has that hair on purpose. Mine's just incidental. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. well, <sighs> what's the name of the hot one? Something Rose, Harmony Rose, Charlie Rose? No. Yeah, Charlie Rose, the girl. Charlie Rose, the girl. You know, with the Basquiat tattoo on her chest. What? Yeah. Oh. The, she, the she doesn't hot... have it in John Wick, though. Uh, she's wearing a suit the entire time. She's wearing a suit and she's deaf. So, oh, she's deaf. Yeah, you don't remember that from John Wick too? Do you think I remember these movies? Well, do you think they have imprinted on me? They're not hard to remember. Not that much happens in them. Yeah, that's why they're fighting. Yeah, that's why there's nothing to remember. Is that the one with the light up museum? I think they all have a light up museum. I literally think every finale of a John Wick movie takes place amongst a string of LED bulbs. Yeah, those are different kind of museums. Those are like museums of ice cream, etc. You know. Yeah, every fin- final action scene in John Wick takes place at the Museum of Illusions. The land of horror. There's a lot Michael. of people waiting in line. Yeah, a lot of selfies. And then there's a there's a gunfight and a fanboy Japanese guy who dies inevitably. Yeah, maybe they'll bring him back, though. He was a popular character. Well, who knows? Unknown. A lot of death in pop culture these days, you know? What do you mean? What are you talking about? Coming off the heels of White Lotus, you know, whole lot of whole lot of people dead. There were only one person really died in that. Only one main character. Yeah. Are we spoiling this? By Thursday, By is it Thursday, acceptable? people can... Fu- there was already spoilers abound on Twitter this morning. Oh, well, you spoil things for yourself already anyway. I didn't know who was... No, that was tightly locked. Oh, really? I was thinking about it later, and I was like, we'll probably just spoil this for himself. No. And then claimed to know the answer. Uh Uh-uh. So, if you haven't seen White Lotus yet, just turn this episode off, I guess. Spoiler alert. Because that's what we're going to talk about, probably. Yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, I like White Lotus. I've been thinking about it. Uh, You know... I have theories. We used to... Recently, we've been saying, like, you know, Prestige TV, it's just dead now. Oh, no. Better Call Saul's over. There's nothing Nothing good is on television. It's all like shiplap and house whores and fuckery. Yeah, you're talking about Below Decks Mediterranean? 
Austin from Sh- Southern Charm was pictured in Australia with a cast member from Below Decks. That's the hot goss on the Southern Charm subreddit these days. Who are you? In case you were wondering. Who are you? Yeah, you got surrounded at the holiday party by three people <sighs> talking Bravo and you couldn't handle it. Oh, I was fine. Who's the Chad Gay now? Me. <laughs> <laughs> I felt incredibly heterosexual. <laughs> you did. Yeah, you must have. I was like, uh, I am the manliest man in this entire room. Honestly, maybe. No, look, it's true, man. I don't know. You you get, you know, you get trapped in the lady zone and you're going to be subjected to a lot of Bravo and eventually Guantanamo style, you'll learn to like it. No, no, no. <laughs> I heckle That's it. What happens. I just sit by and heckle it and I go, is that the one who does this? Yeah. And I go, She's kind of a cunt, right? I've gotten really invested in it. I'm a Craig stan. What the fuck are these people? I love Craig. These are not people. You don't know any of their last names because they never say them. They just say Craig, and then there's a Chiron underneath that says, like, entrepreneur or fashion model mm. or gym owner. <laughs> I, don't even remember, I don't even remember what Craig's is. I think his is just Bravo star. Just star of Bravo. He thinks of himself as the most popular person on Bravo, and I tend to agree with him. He's on what? He's on Southern Charm and Winter House and Summer House. These are not things. Winter House and Summer House. These are not even prestige Bravo shows. These are are B and C sides. That they uh, pop out between the major seasons, you know? So the fall and the spring TV season are populated by, you know, the Real Housewives and Southern Charm and all the big shows. And then Winter House. This is summer programming? And then Winter and Summer House fill in the gaps. But huh. those are the most dramatic ones. It's where there's a little bit more nudity and a lot more drunken fighting. So, it's just okay. So we remember the the real world and the challenge and everything, right? So everyone who's like thirty five is like, no, we can't watch people be you know twenty two and do this. We need to watch forty five year olds. Well, the thing is, I think Zoomers do watch this. I've learned this from the Southern Charm subreddit because the Zoomers seem to be upset at the people that I identify with, which are cast members of a, of about our age. People in their late 30s uh, that the frat party never stopped, you know? They never left Alpha Sigma Phi. Uh Uh-huh. And they just turned it into a career. And the Zoomers don't like them. Mm. They like the new blood. And I'm not interested in the new new blood. I like the uh, people that have been on for seven seasons that are bloated from alcohol. They've gotten (sighs) out of their cocaine phase, and now they're in their alcoholic phase. So you see yourself in them? I do. Yeah, I like Craig because he has a clear moral center. Um, It doesn't mean he doesn't get himself into trouble sometimes because he's passionate. That's why I also relate to him. But he's usually right when it comes to the drama. Hmm? Yeah, you know. But then he chills out and he realizes, you know what? We could either go skiing today with the bros or go to the winery with the girls. And he goes to the winery. Because he's a little bitch. Hmm. You know. (sighs) He just relaxes in his nice sweaters. He runs a pillow company. Is it mypillow.com? <laughs> uh, Chuck Lindell on one of these shows would be pretty amazing. They should do like Fox News style Bravo shows. That would be amazing. Put like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, God. That's what they, what was the one, not the Big Brother, but the other one? There was another kind of house one of like has been reality people. Hmm. Maybe it's just oh, Big Brother. Oh, the celebrity rehab style stuff? I'm a celebrity, get me out of here kind of thing. Oh, I don't know. Ooh. I'm just thinking of Tucker Carlson being like the Andy Cohen of the situation. They do like that breakdown at the end of the season and it's Tucker and he's like, so why were you in there sucking his dick? You know, he does his Tucker thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, the world is bad. Tucker's the Fox News zaddy. No, no, none of those words together are right. I'm sorry, man. It's late at night. That's an abomination from hell. I'm just doing first thought, best thought. It's not coming out right. Oh, God. Can we return to the prestige television, please? Thank you so much. We can talk about White Lotus. You know, with some drama and some bonks and some derp. Well, the thing is, the thing about prestige TV now is what they've realized is you basically just need to take a soap opera and put a little pretentious like twist onto it. Add that filter and woo, baby. That's all it is. Just make the B-roll be really nice shots of like the ocean and like a volcano exploding or whatever. And, you know, the production value is a little bit higher, but basically it's a daytime TV show. It oh, is. Yeah. It's it's a murder mystery. It it's, is. It's, it's a soap opera. It's passions. And Does yes. everyone remember the television show Passions? It's people uh, fucking and sucking or not doing that and being anxious about it. 
That's pretty much all, all of the characters are doing that. But what I realized tonight, I was having a brief conversation about White Lotus. Mm-hmm. And I, what appeals to me about the show is the symmetry in the show. Yes. Everybody's a mirror of everybody else. Uh-huh. And good art is always symmetrical. I think that's a pretty hard and fast rule, hmm. if you really think about it. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. It doesn't always mean things are like one-to-one. It doesn't mean you have you know a right side and a left side, and it's very easy to see. But you know, there's like all those drawings of old master paintings that have like that uh, special spiral put on top of them or whatever. Like you know, compositions with a nice geometry to them. Oh yeah, are very what is pleasing. It, the Fibonacci sequence, the or whatever? Fibonacci thing, yeah. yeah, or the Vitruvian Man or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, things that are <laughs> things that are nicely composed. And when you think of that in terms of narrative, I think White Lotus has that in spades. That's my prompt to you. Now speak, that's slave. That's not how you. <laughs> that's not how you do that. I mean, you know, like I, I, I there was something on a, a, a Twitter that was like, you know, Mike White is a necrosovified gay man. Like none of these people are coming out looking good. Like they're all bad and they're all dicks, but we love them anyway. I'm like, well, yeah, but of course it's rich white people. Of course they're terrible fucking people. Like, come on, it's gonna be this way. Like just. It's there's a lot of love for these people, but it's also just like they're the worst, right? We love them, but they are the worst. Like even the idea of like Jennifer Coolidge bonking her head off of a a thing after being manipulated by gays. Spoilers. Were, yeah, uh, people were like, "Oh, it's like it's like a send up of Ryan Murphy and all all of the things that he does to character actresses being surrounded by gays that eventually kill them." Yeah, yeah. I'm and I was not, like, that's funny and also accurate. I'm know. not familiar enough with Ryan Murphy to say, but I get the vibe, yes. The, the thing is, to me, perhaps it's because I didn't see season one, but honestly, the the um, the major through line of the gaze with Tanya is the least interesting part of the whole thing to me because that's really just the plot, you know? That's the that's the driving force behind the whole se- series that like keeps the action going forward. But it has the le- it has the least compelling uh, character dynamics because it is the most like satirically on the nose. Yes, the demonic gaze and the you know, it, it, and the bumbling idiot assistant. Yeah, well, and it keeps threatening to go full like eyes wide shut. There's even a lot of references to that in the penultimate episode where she like goes to the opera and she has like the eyes wide Tanya does the eyes wide shut like robe on, and there's this constant like demon sex cult undercurrent to it that yeah. never really pays <clears throat> off nor should it. Yeah, but it's just you know that's just the action set piece basically, is the gays and their plotting. Yeah, but it's the other characters in the show that are uh, uh, this constant mirroring that I think is really good. Like the. Obvious example is Portia versus uh, Albie. Yeah. They're both getting scammed but oh, yeah. from opposite perspectives, right? And I like the gender flip that they have going on. Albie is kind of feminized, and he's like trying to help a prostitute, and he doesn't want to judge he her. He is literally a soy boy, right? Exactly. And Portia's whole thing is kind of being a Chad and doing what men usually do and negging him, and it doesn't pay off for her. Yeah. And she gets kind of accidentally dominated as a result. Yeah. It's this nice kind of gender swap that, you know, it's not it's not invisible in cinema or television history, but it's nicely done. And then yeah. the other obvious example is the two couples, uh, Cameron and Daphne and Ethan and Harper. Yeah. That all of them, as individuals and as characters, mirror each other's desires. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. Pretty much. I mean, think about it. Like, e- Ethan is addicted to porn. And won't fuck his wife, and that's Harper's biggest problem. He with also him. doesn't trust men, and Daphne doesn't doesn't trust women. And, and well, or do they? Like, no, they don't. Who has the better relationship? You know, Cameron and Daphne have the healthier relationship because they're both equally um, as you know transparent about their powers, and are both equally as deluded. They don't yeah. give a shit, and as a result, they're relatively happy together. No one believes them. That's the arc of the first half of the season. Is is Harper being That's like, the kind of happy that leads to like knockdown dragouts around fifteen years later of like, I can't keep living a lie. Well, is it? I don't know if that's the message of the show. I don't think so. I think one of the things that happens in, in the in the end is that Ethan and Harper both kind of learn that like you need to let these transgressions go. It's your anxiety that's destroying it. It's not the act itself. Right. In fact, Daphne kind of telegraphs that pretty concretely to ethan yeah in their like final exchange together and then they kind of go off to that little island that's my favorite part i think because mm-hmm. that is left very unclear yeah do ethan and daphne like fuck or something maybe maybe not 
You don't know though. It's like a going to the island to like tell the tell the like the knowledge. Whatever the knowledge is, whether it's carnal or it's like this is how you deal with this kind yeah. of world, you know. Either way, because like everyone was like, if you zoom in on the shots of her going, like, he's like, I think they fucked. And she's like, mm. does a lot of face acting and then just kind of like turns and like, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Let's go see this island over here. Yeah, she does that to both Ethan and Harper throughout the show without yeah. ever coming out and saying it. She tells them both, yes, this is happening, but who cares? That's the subtext. And then them going to the little island, I mean, she's like she's like the wine mom oracle of Delphi. Yeah. Like, I think that's literally what it is. There's some kind of transference of power or knowledge there mm-hmm. from one party to another. And it's, it's I like that it's left unclear whether they actually, like, consummated that in any real sense mm-hmm. or whatever happened. Because there's, there's that's the unknown, like, desire that never pays off. That's, the island of id. That's the Lacanian like big other that you can never yeah. really know is what happened there. Mm-hmm. Because in every other way, it's pretty well explained, you know. Right. And basically, people and the the other interesting thing about their couple's dynamic is that basically everybody tells each other other the truth. Right. But it's the partial truth, or not the partial truth. It's the whole truth, but the partial consequence that's actually really devastating that's what leaves the space open of imagination and desire to like really run amok and kind of ruin things is you know ethan doesn't fuck the hookers with cameron but aubrey plaza can't really believe that and then she doesn't really fuck cameron but ethan can't really believe that. also partially on her for not being like what the fuck is this condom in the couch and he would have been like oh yeah dude fucked a hooker you should he you know there's all sorts of things of like if you just tell all the worst things and just get it out you seem less culpable i I was i I was watching that episode with re where she finds the condom and doesn't reveal it immediately and kind of sits on it for 24 hours and then leaves it in the bathroom and yeah you know you know and that was kind of her take too is like why wouldn't you just like talk about it as soon as you found it yeah just get it all out but like i kind of understood it i don't think that's how like most people operate i do kind of think that you would be stunned enough to not do it in the moment to kind of think it over to think about the angles to think about whether or not you ever want to bring it up i do think confrontation, if you're a conniving motherfucker you go i will save this for ammunition later right but that's you know, not what she did that's not which what is, she did you know, she just she just saved it kind of out of fear and avoidance yeah and i think i don't know i just relate to that personally maybe a lot of people don't operate that way but i do think for me like being avoidant about it does make sense that seems very natural to not want to confront it immediately and it's not a healthy thing because that's deeply unhealthy yeah no, 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 what no, it no. what it does in the end is create all this passive aggression between the two of them that really escalates the issue yeah but, he, you know, he did the same thing by not copying to it in the first place. Yeah. Nobody thinks about that as being avoidant, but it is. It is. The white lie is ju- just as bad. It's the withholding. Any withholding is yeah. bad. Right. Like, it's always going to be, don't do that, you know. Where, whereas what's interesting about the Cameron and Daphne dynamic is that they never come out and tell each other anything, but they both know it all. It's just assumed. There's a similar kind of avoidant dynamic there, but it's just processed in a healthy way of like, yeah, people have secrets and do fucked up things, and we just sort of accept that. Except when he was flossing and was wife. like, I'm not talking to this kid, that's not mine. Yeah. I was like, ooh. Some, like, that was pointed out after the fact, and I was like, oh, oh, damn. Didn't even think about that. Because normally, like, you know, a jovial dad would be like, okay, one minute. He's like, fuck this kid, fuck this kid, it's not my kid, I know it. Like... You know, yeah, but think about the way that he ultimately acts. He acts, he just towards the yeah. kid as if it's his child, and probably raises them in a more or less healthy and like supportive environment. He yeah. actually is a good man at the end of the day. Like it, it's an it's an interesting thing. Like they, it's have, a very fifties thing of like, yeah, your mom fucked the mailman, but like, I loved her too much, you know. So you know, you're mine, whatever. We don't know who the mailman is. Well, and it's unclear to me whether or not it's like a house of cards situation, you know, where there's that famous scene where like Robin Wright and Kevin Spacey come home and like smoke a cigarette together after they've been cheating on each other. And they just talk about like the power plays that they've been doing in DC and who they fucked. And it's, I think it's the end of the first episode or the end of the second episode of that show. And it's this big reveal that like everything you thought was a scandal to them is not. Right. And it's unclear to me whether because they're really rich people and it's a a rich husband, trophy wife sort of dynamic, whether that's just an agreement between them or whether there's real resentment and they're they're papering it over. You don't really know. I mean, that was 
that was an episode of SVU from, you know, 2002 that I was watching at the gym while running one day. You know, old people are like, you know, I let him get away with step. This old rich Upper East Side lady's like, I let him get away with stepping out on me, and he's political. He has political aspirations, and I have an arrangement after, you know, after fifty, you know, twenty five years or whatever, I get to fuck whoever I want. Uh, we're not getting divorced because that's too messy. And honestly, this is a business now, and fuck off. I'm like, you know what? Good for you, bitch. I think a lot of powerful and rich people <clears throat> have that dynamic, and I think a lot of people that aren't powerful and rich also have that dynamic because your life is probably smoother if you just have like a transactional relationship with some of the people in your life. People tend to think about that as a negative thing, but like in White Lotus, it's it, it's a not even subtext. It's the text yeah. that the healthier thing to do is not worry about it. Right. It's an it's an interesting thing to me, like from outside the show, that Mike White is a kind of like red scare pilled caddy gay guy because that is basically the ethic of like that guy. Yeah, I don't know anything about Mike White. Mike White in particular, I don't want to say anything about like impugning his personality, but it's like that type of person is a real thing. You'd be like, if they just had an open relationship, they'd be fine. It would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the and that is the ethic of the show, you know. And like, yeah. th- there's so <clears throat> there's so many plots that revolve around that. Like whether it's Michael Imperioli's character, and like he keeps cheating on his wife. He like can't literally can't stop doing it, but he feels so fucking bad about it. If he just didn't feel bad about it, it wouldn't really be a problem, right? It's kind of the message of all of these things. It, you know, Albie's downfall is actually caring about this girl that he obviously shouldn't care about. Duh. Yeah. Or get fifty euro. You know, fifty thousand euro. Hmm. Mm. I mean, good for her. Good for good for the hookers. You know, yeah. You, lo- you love to see some hooks win. Well, I, the the hookers are the most heavy-handed mirror in the whole show because they have this sort of like moral conversation with each other like halfway through the season, where like it, it's falling apart for one of them, and the other one's like trying to get it together, and there's this virgin whore complex that they're having and like talking about. And then at the end of the day, like they have the most wholesome ending in the, sh- they have the happy ending in the show. Yeah, nobody else does, but they get they get theirs. Well, because they're they have clear intent on what they want. Sure. And the one that's having the moral <clears throat> dilemma about whether or not to be a prostitute and how this is working out for her is the one that ends up being a scammer, and the one that is like leaning really hard into I'm going to be a hooker and like use this to get somewhere actually does achieve that. She gets to be the piano player. She fucks Valentina. It's like kind of a nice thing. She helps her. Like in in a weird way, the one that's like posturing as a good person is actually the bad person, and the one that was posturing as like I'm just going to be evil is the better person. <laughs> there, it's a, there's a, there's a, this constant back and forth. The whole show is underpinned by that. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I like it a lot. It's uh, it's satisfying narratively. Yeah. yeah. It, it it someone was like it does what Mad Men did, and I'm like yeah, a little bit, but more spicy. Well, I think it's also more succinct. I really like about White Lotus that it's only a six or seven episode season yeah. and that the seasons seem more or less distinct. Again, I haven't seen the first one. But oh, you got to watch the first one. First I'll, I'll, I'll definitely watch it. But I, I like how um, efficient it is in its storytelling because I think like I did think about Mad Men a little bit. But one of the things about Mad Men that I think is actually like just less good or is just different is that. Matthew Weiner is so pretentious that his whole thing is like doing Dostoevsky or whatever. He's like writing uh, War and Peace. Yeah, he wants the full novel. And it's this like really elaborate thing where... A little self-indulgent. It's a little self-indulgent and some of the the beautiful symmetry, especially in the later seasons, just gets kind of lost. Um, It just gets a little quirky. Like as much as I love like the scenes with Bert or whatever that are a little surrealistic, they're definitely indulgent and like not really needed. And, and even an the, audience needs them for cathartic reasons, but they don't. It doesn't do anything story wise. No, it does not. And even yeah. even the way the show ends, one of the things I think is the worst part of Mad Men is the ending. Oh, it's bad because Matthew Weiner had that in his head from the conception of the show, so he had to kind of like warp the show into that way. Mm-hmm. To me, it never felt like that's where it was going. No, not at all. Don probably should have died. Honestly, I mean yes. that's that's kind of hackneyed and cliched. Maybe there's a different way to do it. And I think that's what Matthew Weiner thought he did. Yeah. But I don't know. What I'm saying is just, in short, things get kind of mixed up in that show. It's hard to tell, like, what characters even are well, anymore. Don they Draper so died, much. but now Dick Whitman is reborn. Right. You know, which, who gives a fuck? Um, <clears throat> but there's not, like, clean parallels between characters anymore. It all kind yeah. of falls apart. They're very different from where they start off. I like that the, the White Lotus story is contained. I mean, it basically takes place over, what, two weeks, maybe? A week no, no, it's one week. One it says, week. you know, that she finds the body, Daphne finds the body in the water, 
and then it goes one week later, one week before. There you go. Yeah. Okay. It's good. The first one's just funny. It's just like bam, 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 bam. Well, I I liked uh, I would. That makes me curious about the first one because I liked I liked this second season because it was more or less dramatic. I mean, of course there's humor in it, but it it never gets LOL and it never really undercuts what's going it's on. LOL at the end. It, eh, it took itself seriously, probably basically until that scene. The bonk heard around the world. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. People well, are big mad on the. They're like the bonk, the bonk. I'm like, it's great. Well, it's funny that I was just watching these Tarantino interviews all night because I didn't do this on purpose, but it's occurring to me in the moment that it is very Tarantino-esque. Like the the way that Inglorious Bastards kind of kind of leads up to like um, Hitler getting shot with like a million bullets and like everybody dying in that theater is like so absurd and it is kind of funny. Do you know like the in uh, Django the y'all say goodnight to Miss Laura? Yeah, and she sh- flies like she's on yeah. a pull like a gaff and then just flies out when she's shot like impossibly and sure. you're like oh we're in cinema now yeah yeah, yeah. you know you know what kind of space you're in <laughs> like which i kind of appreciate it's just like again like this bitch was closed her eyes for every shot bullseyes all around well and there's something that's very satisfying about a uh, cinema product that takes itself seriously enough that you're immersed in it and the characters are believable but that um it can culminate in like an absurd moment of levity and you're still like in the story and invested in it. Yeah. It's, it's like, I want to call it camp, but it's not cause it's not breaking anything really. The re uh, the reality of the, it's the self-awareness of it doesn't like intrude on the interior narrative. You can, you can still buy the stakes of everything. It leans Brechtian, but never, you know, goes up its own ass that hard. Well, it's not winking at you. It just makes sense that this is happening. Yeah. Even though it's stupid or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The mm, the last episode of the first season is a fucking wild ass ride. Ooh. Yeah, I'll be curious. Uh, w- we should revisit it after I watch it cuz I am I'm, I'm a I'm a little skeptical of it being funnier. That doesn't sound as good to me, but we'll see. It's... Like I don't want that from that show based on what I saw, but this is always a problem if you kind of come in in the middle of something. Yeah. Z-Way posted a a meme that was like of course i carry a glock i'm goofy not stupid and the whole idea of being goofy and not stupid is the kind of like sub ethos beyond the like simmering tension of everything it's like it's goofy but nothing is stupid you know yeah right except the decision not to take off you know some loose eye shoes but you know it's always like people are you know derpy derping all around like even like valentina like being like hmm just kind of derpily trying to les out and it's like you suck at this girl like what yeah i I, you know funnily enough like i really liked that subplot but i but i think the least about that character like i don't think there was much to her in a subtextual way i think she was just a means to an end for the other hooker to like have her arc there's a there you know the through I don't really know why she was in the show other than in service of the piano player story. The through line for the man, you know the managers of White Lotai is to be like they they set the tone for all of the characters around. So her whole thing is being conflicted about what's simmering underneath, right? right. And then she finally like lets loose flicks a bean and you know gets off and everything is right in the world and she's like yeah do whatever you want get that get the dumbass back up here you know let's be free let's let's get let's you know let's live right and that's what everyone else does too so they are they are the the arcs of the entire you know they are the trunk of the tree they are the root of the lotus yeah okay i mean I, yeah i suppose i could see that yeah it takes a different turns a little differently in the other one but you know there's a lot of like little deaths that have to happen in the other one but you know well it's very telling that like her and daphne are the people in the first episode that like you know survive and find the bodies because okay that that, i mean that supports what you're saying as far as them being like the the sort of centrality around which everything or yeah uh, everything else orbits yeah 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 it's a nice show i mean the other thing that i would like to uh re see about it is i i wish i knew more about uh, biblical stories because so many of the art pieces and like paintings that show up in the show in the background in really heavy-handed ways honestly, oh yeah the like italian foe um probably tell you a lot about where things are going 
but I don't know enough about you know Saints to like figure it out. There was Saint Sebastian, one of them. There was there's some though where it's just like intense eyes like pointing up, and you're like those are also like those are uh Greek god things. Yeah. Or Roman god things, which it's like they're too generic to be specific to tell a story. You know, art historically. Right. Um, they're just like in the style of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, one more crazy thing about the Tanya and Gay's plot mm-hmm. point. What's kind of amazing about that, too, is it is actually, it's never explicitly said that they were trying to fuck her over. She just assumes she's unraveling something, and clearly something is afoot. But it's never laid out exactly what it is. It's never clear if if he uh, actually met her husband, if they're actually really connected. That, that Nothing is definitive about that. She may have murdered all of those guys that were just trying to rob her or something. Like, oh, like th- there may have been no deeper, more nefarious thing to it other than like we found a rich woman and we're going to like steal out of her purse. No, the, the bag with the, the rope and the tape. Well, they were gonna do something, but my whether po- that's hostage or whatever. You but know, my like, point, yeah. yeah, of course. But my point is that they that that it's it's never made clear whether or not her husband has anything to do with it. That element of it could just exist in her mind, in the same sense that like between that picture looks pretty much like him, though. Yeah, I know, and they, and they and they lean on that for viewers of season one to, yeah. to basically tell you that that's what it is. Uh, but I I think. Mm, as someone that didn't see season one, that uh, that had to like read about who was in that picture, because yeah. it's cle- it's clearly telegraphed that it's important. Yeah. But, you oh, know. you didn't watch the episode where he, the two episodes where he was there. Uh, the beginning ones. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. He was um, there, and then he he's like, I gotta go, and then he's on the phone, like, of course she doesn't know anything. She's stupid as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, maybe maybe that maybe that I'm wrong. Maybe yeah. it is just true that that was happening but but i think it would be interesting that that's why that like luigi looking motherfucker was crying at the end he's like oh i know you're going to die oh no shit yeah yeah like Uh, he had guilt he's like oh we murdered peppa pig yeah never mind i mean you know what never mind i'm probably wrong but uh, all i was thinking was that it's kind of interesting that like she could just be making like a certain amount of assumptions based on coincidence that would lead her to do something like completely rash because that is kind of like the well uh, the hooker was supposed to kill Portia the Essex hooker was supposed to kill her yes and well and there's a lot of other things about like people people making assumptions that make the problem worse right well in the show and I keep wondering if that was sort of like part of that too which is just like yes something is afoot but you guys are paranoid yeah, but when you, you go, know. when you have to deliver the line of, yeah, I saw him fucking his uncle. I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, like, it's that, you know, something is afoot if you, you know, you have the Essex hook, like, wrapped around your finger and he's doing your bidding, you know. I don't know. That's where it gets eyes wide shutty of, like, what kind of cabal of human trafficking is going on in these Italian islands. Yeah. You know? Oh well, yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it does. I mean, and and the non-reveal of the Essex guy getting drunk and being like, "I was in a deep hole, man," you know. Yeah. And he's clearly his life has just been fucked up, and he probably is just a like an Epstein-style trafficked child mm. for these gays. Yeah. Like that's the implication there. Yeah. Very heavy. And yeah. then he, he does their bidding, not because he doesn't want to, or, well, I mean, he doesn't want to, but, like, his life sucks. He has so no other choice. Well, well, yeah. That's how a lot of people end up there, you know? Mm. And it's amazing, too, because he was the best villain, I think, to me, to me in the show. The main gay guy is also a great villain in that, in that Bond-style yeah. uh, Christoph Waltz sort of um, funny but threatening way. A short little evil man, a short little evil British man, that's classic Bond villain. Yeah. He's like, I'm now going to fuck you with my laser. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, and you're like, oh, shit. But he's like, got a laser. Yeah. But, you know, but he's sort of obvious. Like, from yeah. the moment he appears, you're like, he's up to something, you know. His his nefarious quality is just ever-present. Yeah. The Essex guy I really liked, because, um, as the muscle, 
Yeah. Because he does have that like he does have that kind of tragic look behind his eyes. And he is such a dick the entire time that he's unlikable completely. Like the British guy's likable. In the same way that like you, you see He's ha- likable in the way that like watching Love Island is likable because you're like, these fucking idiots. Well, you're talking about the Essex guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. He's I, like one of those. I, They're I, like, I, we went to Love Island casting instead and got him. I'm of course, but I'm contrasting him to the uh the main gay villain. I don't remember his name, which is terrible. I don't remember. I don't remember it either because it's not important. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Th- that part of the story like doesn't matter. That which much. is even funny when it's called out of like you know th- you that guy the other one you know like they she says two names and then that guy whose name I haven't remembered. Well, it's become a meme already that she just says these gays are trying to kill me. Oh yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, that's been used all over. The place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can't. People are like, don't even think about it. Of goes to berries and then posts that. Like no, there was easy. W- there was one moment. It was in the middle of the season. I don't know, maybe the third to last or fourth to last episode where um, Mike White just drops in. Uh, Ethan is having a conversation uh, w- with uh, Cameron, Daphne, and Harper. Like shortly after he's confronted about the condom, mm-hmm. but they can't talk about it amongst the four of them yet. And he's confronting Cameron over some issue or the other, and he just drops Renee Girard in there so bad uh he's like he's like well i think you uh were just acting out a thing called mimetic desire oh yeah do you yeah. remember this yeah yeah it's it's very much like peter Thiel red scare philosophy 101 yeah it was and like i read it in dropped a- like verbatim in there and he's like well i was smarter than you so maybe you were trying to fuck all the women i fucked because uh, yeah. you thought it would make you smarter you know and that to me as soon as i was like, oh shit, yeah, of course. Because the, the Red Scare characters were in season one, and I knew a little bit about Mike White and this show. And oh, it, the the dumb woke girls? Y- yeah. And they weren't Red Scare, they were just like woke. Well, but the, apparently they were explicitly based on Anna and Dasha, like in temperament and uh, vocal fry, and like, not in ideology, but... Huh, okay, sure. He, they, he, Mike White told the actresses that played those characters to listen to the show, to really oh the, to deadpan it how they were yeah huh um but anyway when that when that gerard line was dropped in there that unlocked the whole show for me and then the last episode just like completely solidified it because i was like oh this is exactly what this is this yeah. is this is just people uh memeing off of each other yeah to try and get what they want and it's failing yeah that's kind of i mean is that a good mirror for our times maybe it's set in a you know a fairy tale land that keeps it kind of like in that safe like you know mirror dimension zone of like oh no this this isn't that couldn't be me and it's like oh no it's everyone well no the whole show is a kind of meta mirror because what are people obsessed with like we started off talking about bravo right like the yeah. whole reason you watch fucking winter house is because you want the money and the debauchery that these people have seriously mm. that everything is reflected in some sort of spectacleized like envy of wealth Right. That's what everything it's not even is. Not that wealthy. Like, you know. Are you talking about Bravo? Bravo. Or are you talking about Bravo. White Lotus? No, no. White Lotus is like, woo. No, I rich. know. Well, which is why Bravo is trash. Yeah. A- a- and, but the only um, seemingly good art being made anymore is mostly sa- satirical takes on rich people. Right. All anybody can tolerate anymore is watching like incredibly lavish things. You would never watch like a working class story because it would be depressing to you and it would turn you off just aesthetically. Unless you're watching, uh, what what was it, Amazon Land or whatever, that Francis McDormand movie? Yeah, but like those movies are popular to woke liberals that want to feel guilty about the world that they live in. Most people don't like that. That's like torture porn. Exactly. You know, the the audience for those things is actually very small. They get a lot of attention and they get a lot of write ups and a lot of awards because the people that populate Hollywood feel bad about the wealth that they hoard. Yeah, for actual viewers that watch things, this has actually been a point of contention recently. Like a lot of the award bait movies that are coming out are just total flops. Like nothing is successful anymore. Mm. Like from Marvel movies all the way down, things that you hear written about that get like hype are all failing financially. From that, from that, like uh, Colin Firth, like Irish movie that's oh. apparently really good, to Wakanda Forever, like everything is failing because what is being made are mostly guilt trip movies yeah the reason people I... like tar but it's not making much like you can only show that in new york and la exactly yeah like it even, doesn't resonate with anyone even triangle of sadness which is even white lotus adjacent you know 
Well, the other thing I was thinking of when I said the only things being made anymore that are any good or satires of rich people was that movie. Yeah, but even that's like not a mass appeal movie. Of course, it wins wins Palm d'Or. Sure, of course, but like, what? no, I mean, imagine, imagine you Is Steve McMovie in Parma, Ohio, going to watch. No, Triangle exactly. Ima- again, no. imagine you manufacture like rubber medical hoses in Parma, Ohio. And sure, you're a homeowner and stuff. You might have even done like two semesters at community college or whatever. But like watching Zoolander, but serious for 30 minutes is going to be like, what are you? What the fuck is this? (laughs) Before you get to the part that's like funny, that's also going to be kind of over your head because that's all Marxist. They're talking about Karl Marx. You're like, what? Yeah. You know, it does. None of it makes any sense to anybody. So it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I think people can have fun with White Lotus though because it does have that soap opera bravo melodrama component with like hyper wealth that people want like, yeah I think it's, it's, it's probably, absurd yeah it's probably still just an elite coastal liberal thing if we're being totally honest but uh yeah i think it's a little bit probably more appealing than that i think it's a little bit more universal than that because yeah. i think things i think things that are well constructed like in terms of the symmetry or just like the the narrative uh artful parts of it i think that stuff kind of gets through to anybody yeah no matter what because it's just gorgeous. Sure. And it's heavy-handed of, like, it's Italy. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, not, bitch. It's and you're like, ah. Well, and I think, like, the the, the, the reason Mike White is kind of smart, too, is, like, casting somebody like Michael Imperioli. People just want to see him because they like Christopher Moltisanti. Yeah. And that's fine. He also was just kind of playing, like, aged Christopher Moltisanti. Like, yeah. Like, you know, if he didn't go to the mob. It's smart casting, and that's enough of an in for a lot of people that are like, I recognize that guy from The Sopranos. I'll check this show out, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing really more to it than that. Yeah. Well, F. Murray Abraham kind of occupies the same territory too, where it's like that's an actor that I know. He's funny in this show. Like you can just get down with it immediately. The old man. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't he know. was. Uh, he's known for a lot more famous things than this, but he was uh, Louis C.K.'s dad on Louis. Oh. He's yeah. around. He's a he's a character actor of some. Yeah. He brings a lot of credibility to it. Is all I'm saying. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Huh. I mean. Hmm. We were talking last week about the idea of, like, like the mid, right? And, like, you know, it's very strange for, like, there was, again, not to, there was a, a tweet that was like, wow, HBO's still getting, getting you know, the U.S. to gather around the TV at a specific time to watch the same thing. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, because Better Call Saul didn't do that. That was too small of a story to, like... And too long and too much investment. I, I will I will say this. Yes. Better Call Saul suffers from being a legacy show from the golden era of TV where that was what the expected thing was. You did seven seasons and it's way too long and complicated yeah. for most viewers. Yeah. It also really suffered from it had a so series delay, of yeah. production problems that stretched it out over 10 years instead long, of the yeah. six years it should have taken. Yeah. So it lost a lot of people along the way. Also, just like the nature of watching those shows changed. It started out being a show like, like breaking bad on yeah. TBS or whatever. Yeah. FX. And then switched to streaming kind of, which fucked everything. Yeah. Up. These, these other things that had just exist natively in like a post 2018, 2017 world are better suited for it. But HBO does that all the time with like, even the trash that is like, and just like that or whatever people are like, got to see the train wreck. And that's like, you know, a different kind of mid you know it's it's yeah. kind of interesting that like hbo which used to be like you know home box office the thing that you had to pay so much more for and now it's like well you stream everything and honestly this one's kind of cheap but you know they've done a way to better job as a corporate entity of quality control mm-hmm. i mean they make they make some trash too but like more or less if if an hbo show seems interesting to me at a blush i will at least check it out yeah whereas i don't feel that way at all about netflix or disney or anybody else uh, no a netflix, like, netflix is the nbc of streamers absolutely yeah it's garbage like universally it's bad yeah, the ABC is Amazon Originals. Very Mer- very America. Know. They yeah. do all those Jack Reachers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, big, that's true. Big, they're big they're America. Li- they're smart because they're a little more middle American. And Amazon has a lot of credibility as a company with poorer people. Yeah. Because people actually have a connection to that company and use it. It doesn't have the elitist values that like Netflix and HBO do. Right. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You know. Um 
I mean, even when we were watching the trailer for that like Watergate show with like half the cast of Mad Men in it, and for we were some like, reason, yeah, I was we like, like, you know we'll what? We'll hey, watch that, it. <laughs> yeah, that that cast is stacked. I'll it's check about it out. Watergate, and you got Woody. Yeah, sure, I'll tune in. Yeah, Woody Harrelson and you know Harry from Mad Men and Kieran and Shipka for the first time. Yeah, I was like, she was a fuck? child. I was like, well, All no, right. Kieran and Shipka did some uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. Well, who's watching that? Yeah, who gives a fuck? Um, which I think it, you know. I think it's that kind of thing where, like, you know, they, who, where was a detective show? True crime, true detective? Oh, gosh. I don't even remember. I think that was, was HBO. Was that an HBO? And then after three seasons, they're like, we can't do this anymore. This is too hard. They only, people only watch it for the, you know. Well, they watched it for McConaughey. Let's be honest. It yeah. wasn't that good of a TV show. He's just a really good actor that has a lot of charisma and people just like him natively. So him doing like a coked out kind of far out character that's not his usual like George W. Bush impression yeah. is appealing. And then you cast Vince Vaughn and people are like, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. You know? I mean, you ca- was the first one McConaughey? Yeah. And then it was Mahershala Ali. No, that was the third one. The oh. second one was Vince Vaughn and somebody else. I think Colin Farrell. Yes. And then it was Mahershala. They tried Ali. to get people back. Well, what they did was they Mahershala. did the Hollywood conservatives, and people were like, "We don't like this." Oh. And then they went hard the other way, and they were like, "Well, we'll get the guy that was just in the gay black movie." And people <laughs> were like, "Well, I don't like that either." We're gonna get Blade before yeah, he's Blade. Yeah. yeah. And so nobody cares. You know, they they it was pandering is what I'm saying. That show was pandering. And when you look back on True Detective season one, it's like not even that watchable. Oh, I liked it when it came out, but even at the time, I remember feeling like people were blowing it up a little bit too much. I was like, oh. guys, this is trashy. I oh. thought, frankly, to defend Netflix for a second, I thought Mindhunter was. A I was going to say show. like I David mean, Fincher. I mean, come on, David Fincher, also Jonathan Groff, looking all looking yeah hot. He's a good actor, you know. No, he's not. I'll give him credit. I think he's all right. Mm. Um, by the way, speaking of like. I don't even know if it's mid. I think it's trash writ large. I watched the first episode of Harry and Meghan the other night. Why the fuck? Listen, again, once again, I get drawn into Lady World, and this isn't all her fault. We're just sitting down, and now White Lotus is over, so it's like, well, what are we going to watch? And I'm surfing through Netflix, and I'm like, ooh, do you want to watch this documentary about Hiroshima? And that's like, (laughs) no. And I'm like, well... You know, what if I went on YouTube and watched like clips from Tucker Carlson and now she's getting mad? And it's like, okay, so what can we both agree on here? And I'm like, all right, let's let's watch the Harry and Megan show. She falls asleep and I watched it. I finished watching it, the first episode. It's really bizarre, man. I actually think I kind of want to watch the rest of it because I'm captivated by the self-propagandizing. Well, yeah. There's I something mean, if- very uncomfortable about watching Meghan Markle take advantage of this man and be like, I'm such a victim, but I started like a production company and made a TV show about it. And you're like, wait, what? She's they like, have I have a podcast overdue by a year and a half. Come on. Well, she was smart. She was smarter than Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen. She was like, we don't, we don't need a podcast. We're just we going to get a hundred million dollars to make this show. Ugh. But yeah, there's something deeply, deeply uncomfortable about the self mythologizing that's all about how you're uncomfortable being in the spotlight, but yet you made this about yourself. Idiots. Yeah. I mm. and it, and you know, it made me feel really bad for Prince Harry. He has so much money that Diana left him. Well, did you know he's illegitimate? What? Oh, he's, the royal, he's a trainer child. The royal, yes, he is. The royal family claims otherwise, but I mean, just look at pictures. Look at him. The guy that, it, here's the thing. It was confirmed that Princess Diana had an affair with her riding instructor, this guy James Hewitt. The royal family denies that Harry is his child, but I mean. Come on, yeah. You look at pictures of them side by side, there's no possible way yeah. it's not, which is insane. Harry has all his hair. So the additional information of learning that Prince Harry's not even really in that family. Well, he probably doesn't like them. Especially He's still a Windsor. Yeah, but Diana's not really in the family, you know, like she was also royal. She wasn't I understand. the British high royal, but you But know. they all got estranged from it in various ways. Right. Yeah. I don't think he probably feels that much of a connection to them. And especially after like the Prince Andrew stuff and just, you know, they're not they're bad. Well, yeah, I think Meghan Markle was like, I see an opportunity here and pounced on it. 
And the way that she portrays it is like, she didn't know, and then, and then, you're like, but you are cynical. She's a demon. There's something really, <laughs> there's something really fucked up about Meghan Markle. That I will well, say, and that, it, but it intrigues me that she decided to make this show. I, did she? Is she the EP? A hundred percent. Or is he? Are they both the EP? I think they both are, but it's her. It's I mean, obviously, her. he just wrote a uh, his autobiography is coming out soon. Hmm. It's called like Lonely Boy or something like that. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, his his life seems kind of fucked up, honestly. Yeah. Like like you know. Everyone will say, "Well, he's just a fucking rich kid. What do you, what do you care, or whatever?" But it's like it's fucked up. Be- Here, here's two things. I'm gonna cut you off go right ahead. there because, you know, at the end of the day, he was never in line to be king, right? He, he's, you know, there is the, you know, the long-standing royal tradition of the spare. Oh, I think the t- no, the title of his autobiography is spare, because that that's always the thing with, you know, if you have a male heir, you go, well, I gotta have another one just in case. Sure, you know. Through the entire tradition. That's why they always have like a shitload, of, you know, at least a couple kids because they're like, well, we're going to have, you know, you know, the lineage locked down here just in case something happens, you know? So he was always like, well, despair. Like, William was always like, kick gloves and taken care of because they're like, well, you know, grandma's like, I'm never going to die. So your dad's going to be king for like three years and then it's you. So just so you know. And then it was never going to be Harry. He's never going to send the throne at all he's the spare child and now he's a spare adult and it's like how do you do that and it's like you don't have your mom because she you know died in a channel like what are we doing here you know so that kind of you know well this is exactly where i was going you know yeah people will complain that he's just a rich kid what do you care but but like yeah his life legitimately seems like he was spare is a very good self-aware title for his autobiography because Genuinely seems like no one kind of cared about him at all, and his life totally sucked because the the hullabaloo around Diana like ruined his childhood. He ran away to Africa. I mean, the most interesting part of the first episode of the show is the Prince Harry stuff to me, because he you know he wanted to get away from it all, so he went to like Lesotho and like did a lot of work down there with people, like did a lot of conservation of animals. It's like it's all stuff for dim, a dim witted rich kid, you know? Yeah, that's the part I don't like feel any particular way about but it does say something about his interior life which is like i can't be here i, can't I gotta be here and i gotta do something else and i'm better than this in a lot of ways but yeah. everybody hates me it's weird yeah you feel bad for him and then you feel extra bad for him now because it's like you know what we're gonna abandon everything that you like and we're gonna move to california and it's like fuck does he like what he's was going on right now but at the same I time mean, he seems same- stupid enough to just like go with it it probably seems freeing at the end of the day, he's like, "Well, Maybe. I'm out of it. Like, whatever." I guess, but at the same, I don't know. But she's at the same time, older than him, so I don't know. You're, you're like, who's dra- the groomer now? Exactly. You're, but she's drawing him back into some drama that I think he's always been trying to run from. It's weird. It's weird and uncomfortable. I haven't seen the whole thing, but well, you'll be tuning in. I probably will be. You know, I don't know. Oh boy. I don't know. It reminds me of listening to Jerry Gagosian's podcast or something where it's like (laughs) I I like to just like check in on like what these like what these demonic idiots are just up to. That's what it feels like. Is that our mid just checking in on what what the wicked are doing? I think that's what everybody like. It's the only thing left to do. What else are you going to do? I don't anything else. I don't know anything else. Granted, I don't have any, I don't have many other, you know, consumables. Like when I'm, you know, throwing the, what do you want to watch? I'm like, I truly don't know. Just, I don't care. I'll, I don't care. Like, if left up to, I will watch the dumbest things because I'm a fucking moron. I can't be left to decide things. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's diff. I just, I think it's very difficult to make any kind of art or even just content. That's uh from any perspective other than gawking at a spectacle. That's the only entertaining thing left. And when it comes to like maybe not paintings or whatever, but like time based visual art, like TVs and movies, that's right. that's all you can really work with. It's the only thing that's gonna engage people enough to make them put down their phones for an hour. That's it. No, they can do both. Sometimes they can do both, but the good stuff, they don't even do that. And I think even in the case of like Harry and Meghan, I think there's enough like, 
I think there's enough intrigue there that people will mostly watch that and be compelled by it from one perspective or another, whether it's some like ironic detached perspective where you're like, God damn, Meghan Markle is fucked up. Or you're like an earnest royal watcher that just like wants the tabloid stuff. Right. Or whatever. Like <clears throat> I, I genuinely think it's compelling enough. People, she's a star. He's a star. Like that's fine. You can get away with that. I mean, there was a there was a reality show called Win a Date with Harry. And it was a it was a you can win a date with Prince Harry and they hired a Prince Harry lookalike. And every time the, the contestants would be like, it doesn't really look like, is that really him? And they would just like tell the, oh yeah, of course it is him. Yeah, he just looks a little different. Yeah, like, you know, photos look, you know, you haven't seen him in a while. They, and the man looked nothing like him. Well, well, people will do anything to get their 15 minutes. This was also in the era of the swan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, where it was just like, do you want to go on TV even if we gaslight the shit out of you? Yes. And it's like, yes. People still feel that way. That's another part of the attractive dynamic of the Bravo shows. Is there's not very much separating you from those people. The only thing separating you from those people is like $10,000 a month. And that's so attractively attainable. Because they're not smarter than you. They don't do anything you wouldn't do. There's literally nothing about it that's not relatable. I would get hammered at a chic Italian rooftop bar. Of course. I've done it. Yeah. You'd get hammered in a lot less like compelling circumstances than that. Hmm. If it was being paid for and all you had to do was like fight with somebody or like fuck somebody, it's not that tough of a sell. I get why people are into it. It's a bad... Uh, the thing is, it makes you feel bad later. Like, after right, yeah. I've watched something like that for two hours, I, I'm like, I've nev- like, I need to I've take a shower. never felt like I've wasted more time. Right. Like, even being on your phone, as, like, vapid and empty as that can be, at least there's some substantive information on the phone. You might you can, stumble you on can, a Wikipedia yeah. article or something. You might learn something. You can spiral out into something else, yes. Yeah. There's the possibility that there's some satiation at the end of that. That your actual brain will yellow kick brick in. road. Yeah. Not so with Bravo shows. No. But, you know, not true with most of the content mill anymore. And the thing about the phone stuff is it's all an illusion anyway. Because your brain, when you're going through this information, it doesn't retain any of it. Because no. when you know that you have ready access to something at any point, you don't remember it. So it doesn't matter how much you think you've learned or how much you think you've been satisfied because it's just sitting there in your hand Mm -hmm. and you know it's not a part of you. You're not actually learning. You're not actually retaining anything. Right. It's still stealing from you a vast, vast amount of your time. It's time theft. So if everything's going to be time theft, eh, I don't really care. You know, it doesn't really matter. It's of no consequence what it is. Hmm. As long as it's flashy, it's going to hold your attention. I guess. Huh. Speaking of flashy, what do you think of that tree? The tree that you bought? Yeah. I like the tree. It's a little fucked up, but I'm not mad at it. I don't think I just kind of sprung it on you. I was just like, well, there's a tree now. So no, sorry. I, no, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, when I first walked in the room, I was a little taken aback because all the plants had to move. One plant had to you move. You also bought like the, these crazy sticks. It's Those are detrius from... The bottom of the tree. It smelled. Of, it just smelled of pine in here. I've gotten yeah. used to it now, though. I like it. Oh, it kind of. It knocks you out like a motherfucker if you sit down for two minutes. Really, the pine smell. It's producing a lot of oxygen. So says the sign at Home Depot. Oh, is that right? Having a fresh tree produces a lot of oxygen. Hmm. Oh well, that's nice. I could use it. I was like, huh. Is that why I fall asleep? Yeah. No, I like it. I mean, it, it fits in well here. I felt. I felt a little bad. I did not consult, but I said. I'm doing this. I've had a long day. Papa's feeling a little manic, and he's gonna buy some greenery. No, I, I think I think it's nice. Hey, if you're gonna go out of your way to like get a tree and shove it in the car, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't bother me. It's fine. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Why did you think I would be, be like bothered by it? I was a little jokey about it because it's like a little insane. It's a little insane. It's a little insane because it's pretty big for for the size of place, but. It's not that big. What else is going on over there? You know what I mean? It's not yeah. It's not like I'm putting anything on that table of consequence ever. Right. Nothing else, you know. If it's creating delicious oxygen for me. Yeah. Cool. I, I'm depriving my brain of it constantly. <laughs> Same. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's just like, ooh, that was kind of a large object. Oops. But the joy is like, you know what? Just get shucked on the fucking sidewalk at the end of the day. Yeah, when... when uh, are you of the opinion that you throw the tree out, like, after New Year's? Yeah. Yeah, I think we've talked about those before. January I'm, 2nd, it's over. January 6th. Oh, really? You're going to keep it beyond just for one more week, huh? Uh, That's the uh, what are the Feast of the Three Kings. Oh, is that the logic there? I yeah. didn't know there was like... That's when Christmas is oh, okay. fucking done. Yeah. I, it feels weird to me to keep it into the new year, although I understand why one would. Yeah, I mean, you know, peop- there are some people who like Christmas Eve, they're like, we did it, bye, get out. We're, we're going to Gestad. Like in Soho, it would be Tree City on Christmas Eve because we'd be like, we're leaving now. Oh, we wow. don't want to come back to the fucking tree. True. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, interesting. Wow. And they would throw it out with the fucking lights on it still. They'd be like, we don't care. It's all going in the chipper. Wow, that's crazy, really? People yeah. just throw it out with the lights on it. Ooh. They'll take the ornaments off, but they're like, mm, fuck the lights. I'm like, uh, what? Damn. Well, it, you know what? You don't have a closet to put it in? It'd be it'd be a tree and then a clear plastic bag full of poppers and white wine. <laughs> and I was like, oh, the gays are done with Christmas. Aww. Oh, boy. What old hag did they murder? <sighs> she said, wow, what a pretty tree. It's and the f- tree with the lights, a bag full of poppers and white wine, and an unmarked black trash bag that's conspicuously heavy i've only you know dragged one of them behind corolla once i'll leave that up for the the listener to decide hmm yeah yeah stay tuned for green and lewis season three green and lotus season three (laughs) thank you